coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? And welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. You guys know the drill. I'm Tyler, and back with me today for this emergency podcast is my co-host, Curtis. And look, guys, if you listen to this podcast and you've been, I don't know, of this earth for the past 24 hours or so, you know what the emergency is. The 2020 college football season is, quite frankly, on life support. In fact, as you all know, the eulogy was all but written last night before Trevor Lawrence, of all people, who if if some semblance of a season is in some way somehow salvaged this year, I'll go ahead and say it right now. Trevor Lawrence needs, needs to be added to Mount Rushmore. Do it now. Uh, and I'm not talking about the Mount Rushmore of college football. I'm talking the real Mount Rushmore. Seriously. Uh, he would have started the movement that saved an American institution if it does indeed result in some semblance of a college football season here in 2020. But anyway, Lawrence was the first that I saw speak out. Certainly not the only one, but he was the first that I saw. And then it was a chorus of voices from there that picked up steam throughout the night last night and well into today, into Monday, to the point that not only players, but coaches, athletic directors, politicians, and, and yes, even the president himself we're lending their voices to this fight, to this conversation, if it's even a conversation, this debate, I guess. And look, I'm not going to recount all of the rumors, the reports, all the developments that have seen the light of day over the past 24 hours because I couldn't possibly do it all justice. But we all saw the news. We, we saw what was going on last night. Reports surfaced Sunday evening that the Big Ten was going to cancel or postpone its season, that it was essentially a done deal. And it would be announced Monday or Tuesday at the latest, and then here comes Trevor Lawrence and company. The hashtag we want to play movement exploded onto the scene, at least the social media scene. Then the we are united and we want to play movements joined forces late last night after a Zoom call of prominent players from all the different conferences. Then I wake up this morning and Dan Patrick's reporting that the Big Ten took an early morning vote and it was 12 to 2 in favor of canceling the season. But then Big Ten players and coaches at that point became even more vocal after that report came out. Uh, then it was later on reported that, that sources inside the Big Ten were saying that, oh, wait a minute, like no decisions has been reached at this point. And then things got real crazy with Big Ten players, and not just players, but Big Ten coaches as well, openly talking about the possibility of joining other conferences in some capacity, maybe, to play this season if the Big Ten does indeed cancel their season. Uh, then SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey later in the day came out and, and in a very roundabout way said that the SEC was basically in wait-and-see mode and that we didn't have any immediate plans to cancel the season and, and then so on. You get the idea. And I, I'm sure as we're recording this right now, even more reports and statements are going to be coming out. I'm sure we're missing something right now as I'm speaking. So it, it's the wild, wild west right now in college football. It's complete lawlessness. Conference is doing as they please, when they please. The only thing I can really compare this to, thinking about this all day, the only thing I can compare this to is the realignment process about a decade ago when reports and rumors and news were just flying every other minute, it seemed like. But it's just nuts right now. So a ton to get to today, to say the least. And guys, just a heads up here, this episode is completely 100% off the cuff. 
as has been the case more than a few times this offseason. We had an entirely different show planned for today, but with all this going on really for 24 hours or so straight, we just felt all this was far too important to ignore today. And frankly, like we, we know that this is what's on everyone's mind. It's on our mind, so we know it's on your mind. So we decided to just go ahead and call the audible. So bear with us. We might be a little bit all over the place, but I'm kind of okay with that at this point because that will only reflect the nature of this entire process. I mean, it truly is. It's all over the place. All right, Kurt. I don't even know exactly where to start with this today because I don't know if you're like me. Maybe I'm alone in this, but my head is still spinning like a thousand miles a minute right now. I'm trying to keep up with just all the developments that are going on that really had that have kind of been coming our way for the past 24 hours and just trying to organize my own thoughts with all this stuff. But I guess before we go anywhere else, we have to start with the why. Typically, that's where you start before you find any sort of solutions. So, Kurt, if the Big Ten does indeed end up canceling their season, which are you with me, Kurt? Do you still feel like that's probably the likeliest outcome at this moment? Um, at the moment, yes. You have a lot of players and coaches fighting back, but I still believe that that will be the outcome. Yeah, I, I, I'm more hopeful now than maybe I was this time last night. Especially with Scott Frost's attitude, um, that definitely, because he's not going to go on board and say something like that against his ADM president. Yeah, and if you guys missed that, I have the quotes here somewhere. Let's see if I can find Scott Frost. Yeah, he, so they had, like, so they actually, it was crazy. So with all these reports swirling that the the Big Ten is about to cancel it, like they're on the uh, the doorstep of canceling their 2020 college football season, or at least pushing it back potentially to the spring, like if that's actually going to work. When Nebraska said, well, screw that, we're still going to hold our fall camp opening press conference. And they had players, Scott Frost, the whole nine yards. He opened the press conference. He said a lot of things to this effect. But one quote that kind of stood out to me, he said, quote, I think our university is committed to playing football any way that we possibly can, regardless of what anyone else does. We're prepared to look at different options. So, whoa, those are strong words. And you're right, Curtis, in no way – does he say that without having the support of his athletic director and the president of that university? So there's certainly some disagreement there in the Big Ten. There's some pushback, but I still I, I well, would, if, from what we've learned too, though Iowa and Nebraska, what it seems like were the only two programs that whatever vote they did hold went against the rest of the Big Ten. Yeah, we, yeah, we saw that uh, the initial vote was supposedly according to Dan Patrick. 12. Yeah, because they're they're claiming it was an initial vote, and now they're claiming it was just medical experts that voted if they felt comfortable. So you're not, I mean, you're hearing a lot of con- this is you know part of what you're talking about with the confusion. We don't know what we're hearing. Yeah, we we don't know what to believe. I mean, you're saying one thing out of this side of your mouth, saying something different out of the other side of your mouth. So there's whatever is going on. There's a lot of pushback. There's a lot of confusion right now, and. Uh, I, I can't predict how it's going to turn out. I would just say based off what we've heard for the past 24 hours, I still think as of right now, it's more likely the Big Ten will well, cancel their season than not. And it didn't help that the Big Ten and whoever their cronies were that they wanted to push the narrative got out there first. Yeah, that and was I what controlled you the new cycle until ever, yeah, everyone you know really got back into it. That was all you had leading the new cycle was a lot of reactionary people fighting for it, but everyone else was prepared for their fight where we've been on the defensive, it seems like, this entire time. Yeah, it's a great point. You and I were talking about that earlier today. You're exactly right. I think, you know, 
in a lot of ways, we let the Big Ten drive the narrative when it came to them going to conference only. They were the first conference to do that. And that was from every, all accounts that I've read, that caught all the other conferences, the other Power Five conferences completely off guard because they had been in regular communication throughout this offseason, throughout the pandemic with regular conference calls, Zoom calls, whatever. And they were trying to stay together with this as much as possible. The Big Ten kind of went off. I don't say off the reservation, but they went kind of rogue there and caught everyone by surprise. So they drew, and I think that was because they probably had a difference of opinion on how things were going and they wanted to force the hand of the other conferences. So they just went public early. I and that's what they tried to do this time. They almost tried to bully the rest of them saying, well, if we're first, you don't want to be last. And that yep. was a lot of the mentality you heard from the sports writers saying, well, if, if the Big Ten does it, everyone's going to follow because they don't want to be left. No one wants to be left. Exactly. That really has been the Big Ten's attitude. And um, so, so far, that bullying is not working this time around. And I think the fact that, well, like, to me, like saying we're going to go to conference only schedules and that versus we're going to cancel the entire season. Those are two entirely different conversations. So I, I, I make sense. Yeah, they, they are completely different. But it's just the, still the same manner than going oh, about yeah. it and then trying to force everyone else to follow. And let's be honest, the big, a lot of people don't like the Big Ten in general. They're very arrogant uh, conference-wise. I mean, everyone you know, has something to say about the SEC, but we still go out and win it. We're the Big Ten. It's kind of been a lot of talk recently, per se, in my opinion. Um, they really haven't backed it up on the field, um, except for their one championship under Urban Meyer. So realistically, I think they have a bigger opinion of themselves than what the rest of the country does. Yeah, Especially down here very, in the South. Yeah, for everyone not Ohio, not Ohio State, I would say. But, yeah, I, I think that's very fair. And what you were saying is exactly right. You know, I think the Big Ten, when they saw the, the success they had with kind of bullying all the other conferences into going to conference-only schedules, like they were the domino that started that and it essentially led to every other conference going conference-only, more or less. Uh, and I guess with the exception of the Big 12 and the ACC have one non-conference game, but that's it. Um, but they saw the success of that, and I think they felt, hey, if we if that worked then, why can't it work now? We, we, we know not every, everyone, all the other conferences are on the same page as us right now when it comes to canceling the season or postponing the season. So it worked the first time. It's going to work again. Let's get out there and bully them. You're exactly right. And, and so my point earlier today was we, we absolutely needed – and I, when I say we, the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12, people that still – institutions that still feel like there's worth in trying to – Played this college ball season. They need to get out ahead of the Big Ten. When reports started to surface that the Big Ten was going to make this announcement on Monday or Tuesday, they needed to come out either last night, early this morning, and make declarative statements that we are committed to trying. We can't say it. I don't, I don't know how declarative you can be because everything has to be fluid right now. But they need to say we are still doing everything we can to try to play this football season. We stand with our players, which you saw later in the day, but it was all, I don't want to say too late, but in some ways it might have been too late. They need to get ahead of this uh, and not let the Big Ten drive that narrative. So I absolutely think you're right there. But let me, let's me let go back to the Big Ten in this in this idea that they want to cancel the college football season, at least some of them. Uh, why, Curtis? What is it behind this decision? Why are – and it's, it's to me there seems to be a big disconnect between – the presidents of the Big Ten Conference, uh, of the Big Ten teams in that conference, and the athletic directors and coaches. And that's become very clear to me today with coaches like Jim Harbaugh, Ryan Day, James Franklin, uh, Scott Frost, all speaking out publicly that they still want to play. And athletic directors doing the same thing. So um, let's be honest, presidents, presidents answer to different people than the athletic department. I think presidents of universities in general are – led or you know 
led their decision making is led by the public and the public opinion in general, like you know, social media, the mob rule of um, social media and things like that. That it seems like they're letting that drive their decision making because they're afraid. Um, I, to me, it's almost like they're afraid. That that's the real um, persona I'm getting out of this whole thing. Of course they are. Yeah, of course. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm trying to completely keep this out, out of a politics because a lot of people can take this out of politics route. But I, I just staying away from politics in general is why I think that they're really bowing down to the mob rule of social media. Because let's be honest, there has been a the sports media has almost killed themselves this since the pandemic has started because people, I mean, it, they have completely lost a people's credit for them and their willingness to listen to them. I'm with you hundred percent on fear driving this decision on the behalf of college presidents who are against playing this season. And here's, here's what you you mentioned the, the, the liberal Twitter mob. Absolutely. There's no doubt whatsoever that that is playing a leading role in this. Especially because the fact is something may, something may happen. But let's be honest, players have died from tackling wrong. I mean, players may die. Um, and I'm not saying that in, in a heartless way, but things happen where players do get injured. It, do, it doesn't matter if it's from COVID or if it's from tackling or, you know, anything like that. But if it was to happen to be from the one one player did die from COVID, then, you know, that mob wins. Let me just say, there's far more evidence that CTE, concussion issues, are – lethal to to any kind of football player then there is evidence that coronavirus COVID-19 is going to have lethal effects on most people that are of of the college age there's just far yeah, more CTE has CTE has led to quite a few suicides and yeah. um a lot of a lot of deaths and painful deaths and dementia and things like that and we still don't know a lot of information on it yet we keep pushing through and you right. know a lot of the a lot of the big the, the president's huge argument is liability well, that, that doesn't hold up when you keep playing through CTE and you see in the NFL and all these places that there are lawsuits going on where players are getting paid for the damage they've done. So if you were really worried about liability, you would just quit football now in general. You know, you and I are talking about it. Um, CTE is not going anywhere right now, and yet they keep pushing through it. And, and so I think that hurts their argument, in my opinion. Yeah, and in the, in the face of things like that, especially with the CTE issue – it just makes their arguments and their assertions that they are they are just simply looking out for the best interest of their players. It just makes that so disingenuous. No, it's just a load of crap. Let's be honest, because until until this whole thing started, they gave the players no say in anything that ever happened. The players never had had a say. I mean, do I think they should be paid? Yes, but do I think they're, some players are asking for too much? Maybe, but that's not the argument. The argument is that they don't give the players any say and then they want to, and then you tell them to speak up and stuff. And then when they do speak up, you said, well, you don't know what's best for you. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one thing that's really sticking out to me is it's very hypocritical and you only say to speak up when it fits what you wanted to fit, when it fits your narrative. Yeah. And going back to the CTE issue, like you, they're okay with allowing players are aware of the risk, but they're okay with allowing the players to accept the risk on their own behalf in that situation, but not with COVID. Like, what is what is the difference here? It's just the fact that it's novel and they're scared to death. And and, and, it, and COVID in general has become very political. Uh, just it, not even when it comes to college football, but just no matter what is going on with COVID in general, 
it is it is not anymore about the disease itself but it, it's a, it's a game being played by big figures and politicians and people in, in high places and we're the we're the pawns that are getting left out and getting more injured by it than anyone you're exactly right. And like, I know we definitely do not want to get. And I'm not. I'm not. And I'm not take, saying anything yeah. less about COVID. It is a big deal. People have died from it. Um, it is really affecting people. But I think that, just like you've seen in college, I mean, in pro sports, yes, they're getting paid, but they, the athletes here, they they've been promised um, if they were to opt out because they didn't feel comfortable, their scholarships would be honored. All these things. So it's not. Your your the argument of their well being and that they're screwed if almost like they're they have no option but to play that's not true because a lot of these kids can't come back we've given them the ability to yeah and you're exactly right i i want to make it very clear that i am not trying to downplay the coronavirus this whole covid19 pandemic it is a very serious thing but the fact is all these people who are talking about trying to cancel the season all these uh, sports writers all of the the presence they're all Dan they've Wolken, all said, yeah they, they've all said that from the get-go, we're going to be guided by science and data, science and data, science and data. Well, you know what the science and data says? The science and data says that if you are college age, 24 or under, for the most part, you are at very, very, I don't want to say zero, it's not zero, but close to zero risk of actually dying from the coronavirus if you do not have a pre-existing. Well, I already, I already think it's it's crap too to say you're guided by science because I hate to say it this way, but the science changes every single day. Look at this, you know, Dr. Fauci is supposed to be the, you know, the leader on the cutting edge and all this stuff. Some of the things he say change from day to day or week to week. So you can't say the science is driving it when the science changes itself. It's just disingenuous. It, it, that's, and it, it's disingenuous to the point that it makes me want to vomit because it's, it's I mean, not driven by science. I'm a player. It, it were, they, there would be no issues because Statistically speaking, people of, of the age of college players are statistically very, very extraordinarily unlikely to die from the coronavirus. That, that, that is the data. It's that simple. I, I love what Will Muschamp said, that everyone's so worried about the players. He said the coaches are actually the one more, most at risk, and that's true. And it, it's not, they don't care about the coaches. They don't care about the coaches well being only the players who are actually at less risk. Yeah. Yeah, but go ahead. just before we move on here, real quick, I just want to say something real quick about why I think the uh, – it's really similar to what you were saying there, Kurt, but why I think the Big Ten presidents are, are moving towards this. It, to me, it's like we were saying, it's not about concern over the health of their players because if it was truly about that, about concern over the health of the people under their charge, then they would not have any kids, any students coming back on campus in any capacity Period. It's about, as you yeah. said, Kurt, it's about liability concerns I and actually, trying to buy time. I actually love what Nick Saban said. Nick Saban, I, I, I read it. I hope it's true. And if not, I apologize for going with the quote. But he read, you know, why is why is the art the, the question sh- should football players be playing? He said, if anything, the question should be should students be on campus. He said, if we kept students off campus and only allowed the players on campus and allowed them to do it, there would be even less of a risk. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's not because it, it's not about risk. It's not about that. It's about these presidents, as you were kind of alluding to. It's about the presence of these universities just simply being more concerned about their jobs and what's instead of what's best for the players and the communities that these programs support. And actually also what's the best for high school kids right now, which I'm going to get to here in a little bit. You said it right. It's fear. Kurt. They've been scared into submission by college football media members constantly pushing the fear driven narrative and, and they're scared of being canceled. By this, well, and here's one cancellation culture. And as here's look, one thing that's politicians, 
These guys are politicians. Yeah, I mean, some, someone that tried – I read somewhere someone tried to say that college presidents aren't politicians. I'm sorry. If you that. go look in Congress right now, a lot of them used to be presidents or, or former congressmen or people in the, that served political roles became college presidents. That's been going on for years in U.S. history. I mean, Woodrow Wilson was a former president of Princeton University, and he became president. I mean, that's this think, is, think about Ken, Ken, Star, Ken Starr, who was at um, Baylor. Baylor when all this stuff happened. He was a politician. But the one thing that really sticks out to me too. So, if the Big Ten and you're hearing the Pac-12 is going along with, with the Big Ten, none of that kind of surprises me because we haven't taken into account at the same time that these conferences are located in regions that have still very, very, you know, have been very severe in letting off the restrictions for keeping people at home and keeping their state shut down. So that I think that plays a role in it too. It's a lot of these areas that aren't being op- opened up yet. Yeah, that certainly plays a, a part in this. There's no doubt. But for me, it, it, look, these guys are politicians and a survival is a political instinct. If you're a politician, like these presidents, these universities are, you want to survive, right? That is a, a natural political instinct. So when they're scared to death of being canceled and losing their jobs for, based on what's happening on Twitter and just a liberal mob in general, then that is a very powerful – and I shouldn't say liberal mob. I'm sorry. I'm talking about far – I'm not talking about just your rank and file liberal. I'm talking about far, far left people, like the extremists. You're talking about the extremists, yeah. Yeah, that, and, that's and like, another thing is for sure. And there's a lot of people follow us on Twitter. Yeah. I hope people follow us on Twitter because you made a good point earlier too. They don't care about the kids. They care about themselves and hope and keeping themselves in their ivory tower, pulling down hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. That's what they they're worried about. Not the kids well-being, but their own well-being. That's rich, isn't it, man? Like you're, you're basically taking not just, and this isn't just like, Hey, these are just good memories for the players. No, you're taking potential financial opportunities away from these players. Look, think about Joe Burrow for a second. If, if this would have had, if COVID would have happened last off season, not this off season, Joe Burrow might not even be in the NFL right now, but because one season, yeah, my, uh, I- one season allowed him to showcase his abilities and he became the number one overall draft pick, 20, $30 million in his first contract. That's live changing money it's a life-changing financial opportunity and it's really rich for these college presidents who are pulling in five hundred thousand plus dollars a year to sit there and say oh no we're not going to allow you to have those opportunities but cool we're just gonna sit here and, and cash our checks no big deal that it drives yeah, me it, insane i love that you brought up joe burrow because i was talking to someone recently they're like what well, do you think players when players are opting out they're like well do you think jamie newman will do it i was like the, a lot of pro scouts had him in the fourth round and look at joe burrow if you know, if he had sat out, he's all of a sudden not the number one pick in the draft because he would have been maybe or even later draft pick potentially. Um, so, like you're saying, that's a lot of money to these players. Like, I'd be more worried about the liability of players say, "Hey, I'm going to sue you for all the money you're going to cost me." How would you have handled it if every player said, "Hey, look what Joe Burrow did. Maybe that could be me. I'm going to sue you for thirty million dollars." Absolutely. And most of these guys, I'm not talking about them being first first round draft picks or number one picks. I'm talking about just making the league, having a shot to make the league, man. These Some of these guys need their junior, their senior year to show what they can do. They need that. I mean, it's we're talking about yeah, like, I say life and death, but you're talking about the chance to absolutely change the trajectory of someone's life. And you're taking that potentially away from some of these kids. Think about Zeus or someone, they could potentially try to go pro after this year, but there's no chance in that if they can't showcase their skill. Yep, absolutely. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Absolutely. So, all right. That's why we think this is happening. There's a lot more on that bone, but we got to move on here. But uh, over the past 24 hours, Kurt, it has become abundantly clear that there are a lot of people inside and outside of, college, of the college football world. We're talking about from players to coaches to fans, obviously, to politicians even. Senators, presidents getting involved here that do not want or think that this season should be canceled. I would ask you, Kurt, if you are with them, but I know the answer to that is yes, based on our conversation. So I'm going to skip right to this. Kurt, make your case for there being a college football season in 2020. See, all right, I'm not a professional, but a lot of it you do have to pay. You know, they want to say they're driven by stats and facts and stuff. That's a load of crap because the stats point the other way. Let's be honest. Um, they point that these kids are at very, very low risk. And a lot of players have made the good point that if we don't play, there's going to be a lot less um, restriction on these players. Uh, they're not going to be in the, uh, you know, per se getting, yeah, they'll be still be uh, with the team and everything, but you're not in that structure. The format, everything about it is less structured. Um, so the players will then be hanging out in the, in the public more often where they, eat, they, they have a chance of getting COVID too. So it doesn't matter if they're playing football or not, there is a chance of them getting COVID. So it like, I can't, it, I saw one of the players tweets that said, if you um, tell me that football is the only way I could, t- I would get COVID, I wouldn't play, but I can get COVID in everyday life. So why, why should I give up something I love that can make me millions of dollars if that's the case? And I r- truly believe that. And the one thing I will say is the big 10 thought they could bully everyone into having to follow them. But in the end, they've actually turned around and given them a rallying, a rallying cry. Yep. You're right, Kurt. It's, it's A lot of this is about risk assessment. It is. It's a risk assessment. You allow people to assess risk and whether they want to accept that risk or not. And this is this is another hypocrisy here. They are These presidents are allowing the rank-and-file student body of their universities to assess their own risk and decide, do I want to take that risk or not? Do I want to take the risk? People that have never played football. Right. It, Everyone's allowed to do that except for players who play football. If you are, if you are, let's say, an econ major, you're allowed to, based off of most of the, the policies and protocols for most of these universities that I have seen, you are allowed to assess the risk and say, okay, do I want to accept this risk? Is, it, is the potential benefit that I can gain from taking this risk, is that, does that make it worth what could potentially happen to me from a negative aspect and the health aspect? They're allowed to make those choices and assess that risk for themselves. No one is telling them they cannot come to campus right now. No one is saying that. And mo- and well, I should say in most of these situations, in most campuses across the country. But all of a sudden with football, we're not allowing them to have that same sense of agency. What? Why? What? What is different about them? I don't. I just don't understand it. Well, it's just like the sports media. You see all these guys saying, "Oh, players should get paid." You see. Um, What's the guy, Jay, Jay, um, Jay Harris or Jay Williams, who's saying the players should uh, band together, create a coalition to get what they want done. But then when they do it, they, they don't agree. If it doesn't fit their narrative, they don't want them. They don't. They say, well, you, you just don't know what's best for you. Uh, you shouldn't be fighting for this. So yeah. I, I think that hypocrisy is what kills me, too. You want them to band together. You want to give them a voice, but then you still silence them. Yeah. 
it's it's just maddening. It's maddening. But uh, as you were alluding to there, Kurt, making a case for why we at least need to try to push forward. Look, and things might change. Everything's fluid. All these kids come back on campus. I mean, Athens is being flooded right see, now. That's why the SEC. That's why the SEC was smart in pushing the schedule back like they did because it still gives them the ability to reassess things, especially once students come on campus. Yeah, and if there is more evidence that comes to light that we don't have right now that says, you know what, yeah, this probably isn't safe, and this we are putting them more at risk by having them play. Then, then okay. But right now, I don't think that evidence is out there. I, I just simply don't. I mean, the the data, as we said, it's it says these kids are safe, uh, especially the the ones who are playing football when they're tested multiple times a yeah, I mean, those tested football, multiple times a week. Football players go through extreme testing, not just for COVID, but for health. I mean, that's where a lot of heart diseases and other uh, illnesses are found because of the extreme testing that athletes go under year in year out on a monthly or just in a monthly everyday basis because they get tested for stuff to make sure that their bodies can handle it, their physicals and things like that. So I think that that's also the safest place for them to be. Yeah, I agree. And I want to give, uh, I want to give some credence to some points that Trevor Lawrence is making. These are th- thoughts I had in my own mind, but it, it, he, he made them very uh, in, in a very articulate way. It, it does like having a season provides incentive for all of these players to stay safe, to follow the protocols with fidelity it gives them that incentive. Exactly. Because I, I don't play, and my teammates might get sick. Without that incentive of a season, well, who cares? I'm, I'm going to be a little bit more risky going out to bars. And, and, and by the way, if they don't have a football season, these guys are going to be going home far more often, which then they're going to spread that disease to if they get it because they're not being as safe as they would be if they had a chance to play a season. They're not being tested as often because why are universities and athletic departments going to spend that money testing these guys if they're not going to play a season? They don't have the revenue coming in. They're going to be destroyed financially. These guys are not only be more risky than themselves sick, but they're going to be more at risk of spraying this in a community spread situation all over the place. It's a major issue if we don't play the season. Absolutely it is. And, you know, I I would also say, and this is where I'm going to kind of get into uh, kind of my personal perspective on this. I have a different perspective on this than maybe a lot of of you guys out there do because I work with a lot – uh, of young men who come uh, who, who come from backgrounds that were not as fortunate as maybe I was growing up, and who sports is a way out for them. It, it is it is everything for them. And sports look it provides motivation, direction, structure that so many of these guys, whether it's it's kids in high school, whether it's kids in college, it provides that the, the, so much that these guys desperately desperately need. And we're, we've already talked about taking away financial opportunities for current players, but here's another thing. If we don't play college football this season, we are pro- almost certainly not going to be able to play college basketball. Because if you can't play a season of a sport outdoors, how can you play a season of a sport indoors like that? When all, there's a lot of evidence and data out there saying that's much riskier, if you're, especially if you're not in a bubble. So with the financial hit these universities are going to take, there are gonna, there's going to be wide-scale canceling of various sports, mostly Olympic sports, non-revenue-producing sports. And when those sports get – when those not just their seasons canceled, I'm talking about they just get wiped off the face of the university. They just completely eliminate the programs. Just like Scott Frost said, he's like, they're, you know, he, he brought the fact he's like talking about all the money they'd lose if they didn't play this year. And he's like, and let's be honest, who knows when we get started back? Because he said, we can't, after losing this amount of money, we can't start back to we're making more money, making money once again. So then that raises the question when do you actually come back? Because if schools can't afford to bring these programs back until they have some money in the bank. Absolutely. And let me let me extend that just a little bit further. I've been talking. I've been thinking about this all day and all night last night. I am very worried. I don't, to me, like this is potential Armageddon. 
the future of college athletics and college football is at stake right now. And maybe I'm overstating that. That's fine. Maybe I'm being alarmist. I'm, I'm really trying not to. I've been thinking about this. But if they use the rationale to end this season, to cancel this season, if, if for the rationale to do that, they use the idea that, well, there's so much that we don't know about coronavirus, the, the potential cardiac issues. What, what if one player gets sick and dies? Like the liability, if that is the rationale and that's the reason that they use to cancel this season, well, Curtis, what is going to change between now and next year and then the next year? In the next year, Absol- in the next absolutely year. nothing. You and I talked about it with the flu. It's still around a hundred something years later. Yeah, Co- coronavirus, COVID is not going to disappear, guys. That's COVID has actually been happen. around. It's been yeah. around for years. It's just this particular strain that has caused damage. Novel version of it. yeah. It's it's just like it's not going to disappear. Even when we get a a vaccine, which might not happen until next summer at the earliest, potentially. Well, not everyone's going to take it. We don't know how effective that's going to be. The current, just like the flu, it's not like even when you have a vaccine, it's not going to disappear. It's not going yeah. away. So, and even if there is a vaccine, why would college football players, college athletes be among the first group to get it? Because I don't imagine they're going to produce it to scale enough, at least not initially, to where anyone can get a vaccine anytime they want it. I don't think that's going to be available for everyone immediately so if that's the case you have to decide okay who is going to get this vaccine first and while i'm certainly no expert in this matter i think it's just common sense if you're asking me why would you give the precious doses of vaccines to college athletes who are in the age demographic that is hardly impacted at all it's a negligible impact unless you have a pre-existing condition in people, most people in that age group, wouldn't you want to give it to people in the more high risk populations? So even if there is a vaccine, how do we know that college athletes are going to have access to that immediately in time for next season? But back to my point, if the fact that the the existence of the coronavirus being being here on Earth right now in the United States, if that's if that is what's going to keep these presents from allowing there to be college sports and college football this season, then that's that same situation will be here next year. It'll be here in 2022. It'll be here in 2023 because coronavirus COVID-19 is not going to go anywhere anytime soon. We've got to learn to live with it. So if you use that, if you, if you establish the precedent that we're that we cannot play any college sports while the, while coronavirus is out there, because we can't risk any player possibly getting infected and, and something terrible happening to them, which would be tragic. But if that's used as the precedent, to cancel college athletics, then I don't know if you can play college athletics anytime in the near future. I'm talking years and years from now. And again, maybe I mean, logically, that makes sense to me. If this is their attitude and their logic, you might as well pack it up and just say schools are going to become just schools and football is canceled forever in the college. They can go straight to the pros where they can make money and it's up to them. Or the XFL where the rock becomes the minor league system. Where they make this decision, I think the long-term effects will happen. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. And and going back to like making a case for why we need to play college football this year, again, the idea that if you have to start eliminating sports, which you're going to have to do, it's inevitable. If Because I, I forget, one of the Big Ten schools today, maybe it was Nebraska, estimated that they don't play football, this just football. I'm not talking about college basketball. But if there's no college football, they're talking about an 80 to $120 million hit in this one year. You are going to have to start eliminating other athletic programs at your school. And when you do that, you are drying up scholarship opportunities 
for young kids. I, this is one thing I said last night uh, on Twitter. You can follow us at, at glory underscore UJ. And I firmly believe this. College football, college sports, but especially college football and college basketball, they are agents of change in this country. They provide access to opportunities that 100% can change the entire trajectory of young people's lives, put money back into minority communities in a way little else can. College athletics and the opportunities they offer, in my opinion, and it's just my opinion, I think it's a form of social justice. One of the issues we have in minority communities is a lack of generational wealth. I see it every single day, guys. I live in Athens. I work with these kids that live in these communities. I live it. I see it. They have no generational wealth. And there are a lot of reasons for that. I don't want to get into all of that today. I mean, it's rooted in historic and systemic racism, but there are a lot of reasons for that. But still, regardless of the reasons why, college athletics, especially college football and college basketball, is one way to change that. And I know I'm kind of getting on a soapbox here, but I'm just, it is, I've seen it change kids' lives. I've seen it. Uh, it's just, I, I don't know, man. It, it, this is personal for me. Like when, and let's be honest, when they start canceling the sports, it's going to be the male sports that go first because of not Title IX. The women's sports are not going to be the first ones to go. So it's going to be sports like basketball and baseball. As you saw Furman, who already cut baseball earlier in the spring when COVID really had just gotten started. Those are the sports you're mentioning with the opportunities for these kids to make life change, you know, change their life completely. Those are the sports that are going to get cut first because they're not as profitable. When you have 85 male scholarships for football, then you have to work in a lot of women's sports. And, and the way you're going to do that, is you have to, to even it out. You got to cancel men's sports. You're exactly right. It's it's just like, not think, think about t- tennis will get cut from sports. I mean, hopefully not Georgia, but that, mm. that, that's a big deal for a lot of kids. I mean, like tennis mm. programs are. I mean, any sport in general changes these kids' livelihoods, man. I'm telling you, it, it, and I know some of you are probably just shaking your head like, like, come on, dude, get off your soapbox. But I'm, guys, it's, I'm telling you, this is personal for me. I work with a ton of kids whose sports is a lifeline for. It's what keeps them tethered to the possibility of a better life. It's what keeps them in class. It's what motivates them to do their work and stay off the streets and stay out of trouble. Again, I have seen what happens to kids when they lose that. I've seen it. College football kids are literally putting that in their tweets saying, if I go back home, I die in the streets. Like the, the, there's only two options. You either make it to the league or you die in the streets. Like players and are literally bringing that up. It's no, it's it's true. Y'all may watch it and think, oh, that's just movies and television where you see it. But Tyler lives on a regular basis. So it's not just, you know, fiction, you know, entertainment for him. No, that's real life. And, and there is real life for a lot of these athletes. I mean, think of DeAndre Baker, you know, he's facing jail time. If he had never gotten out of Miami, he wouldn't have even probably gotten this far. Yep. And I want to and I want to just clarify clarify this. I I feel like I need to say that I I should take that back. I don't live it because I don't I don't live that life. I don't live in that. I mean, but I but you've seen uh, to a certain degree. Yes, in in my in some on some small level, I see it. Okay, maybe that maybe that's a better way to say I see it. I don't necessarily live it, but I see it, and I work with these kids. And I'm just telling you, it's. I, I'm trying not to get emotional here talking about it. It's very, very personal for me. If it's personal for me, you know it's personal for them. Look, hope is a powerful thing. The promise of a better life, a vision for a way out. It's incredibly powerful. In football, in other college sports for that matter, they offer that. And when I see college presidents potentially take that away from college athletes, but also potentially high school athletes, because let's be real. If college football is canceled, you better believe most states across this country are going to cancel high school football. You know they're watching college football closely to see what they're doing. And if that happens, 
it, it's going to be catastrophic. A lot of kids need their high school football season, a senior season perhaps, to showcase all their hard work, to try to earn a scholarship somewhere so that even if they don't make it to the NFL, because most kids don't make it to the professional leagues, but even if they don't, they can still get a college degree and change not only their life, but the trajectory of their entire family's lives. So when I see that potentially be taken away from kids and the potential pernicious effects it will have on their lives, all because some college presidents want to divert blame from themselves in order to selfishly preserve their jobs and their political careers, it quite frankly enrages me. And look, yeah, guys, I know not all players find themselves in those circumstances. I don't want to throw some blanket statement out there. I, for instance, was lucky enough to not be in that situation myself growing up. I was fortunate. But the fact is a lot of our young people are in those circumstances. It is reality for a lot of young people. And those are the young men and women who are going to bear the brunt of the effects of potentially canceling a college football season. And of course, the subsequent fallout across not just college football, but the entire college football landscape in which that would lead to. The simple fact is the human consequences of potentially canceling the college football season are tremendous. This is one of the things, one of the many things that infuriates me about this. Is coronavirus, is COVID a threat and something we should all take very seriously? Of course it is. But this notion that canceling college sports means lives will unquestionably be saved, it's just laughably ludicrous to me. It is not a net neutral decision like it's being presented as in the, in the college football media. Could it save some lives? Potentially, maybe, but you know what? I can also almost guarantee you that it's going to cost lives from a substance abuse standpoint, suicide, crime, depression, etc. You name it. The human consequences of this are tremendous. And again, for what? What is this based on? Because the data doesn't say that high school and college age kids are at more risk from the coronavirus than other segments of the population. In fact, it says the exact opposite. So what is this really based on? I keep coming back to it. It's based on selfish greed. These decision makers, these college presidents, they are political beasts and their political instinct is survival. And the way to survive, to save their jobs, to guarantee their job is saved, is to not let college football players have their season, to potentially fundamentally change the face of college sports. And who knows if there would be a future of college sports if this happens, honestly, with the financial repercussions, all because they want to save their jobs by placating the Twitter mob out of fear. That's really what it comes down to. So I don't know. I just, I don't know. And here's the thing too. Like if to me, if we're being logical about this, which logic was out the door a long time ago, but if you cancel football, and we we were alluding to this, you have to. If you can't play, if you say we can't play college football, you have to, by logical extension, cancel all the other sports. And then if you really want to be logical, you have to cancel all in-person classes too. Because if the threat of just being around people is is too much for them to handle with college sports, and you, you better be canceling in-person classes on campuses too. But you know what? They won't do that. You, you know why they won't do that? Because as I said earlier, there's a disconnect, a fundamental disconnect between academia and athletics. Because here's the thing. Athletics and academia at these universities, they, have, they are essentially separate entities. They, they, they essentially operate like that with separate budgets, separate staffs, the whole nine yards. Athletics losing money 
does it really impact the financial stability of like the university at large? Like university, like the, the UGA Athletic Association, that they lose $80 million this year, that's not necessarily going to really damage the University of Georgia all that much. It's really not. But if you start canceling classes, oh, well, all of a sudden that does actually start to hurt the university itself because then kids don't come to campus. You lose dorm money. You lose the, the, the food plan money. You lose parking money. All of that. Again, it's a, this decision is not about what's in the best interest of the kids and about their health. It's just not. I'm sure they care about their health to some degree on some level, but that's not what's driving this decision. What's driving this decision is money and keeping the presidents, the decision makers in their jobs. That's and, and you can call me cynical if you want, but to me, that's that's exactly what's happening here. Are you with me on that, Kurt? I am. And one thing I think that's tr- really made me angry is up until this weekend, you had these presidents and like the Big Ten Commission, all these people secretly meeting to make these decisions without telling the players, and the players are just gonna find out. I mean, a lot of these players, especially in the Big Ten, things that all they did was find this out on social media. So the behind the scenes in the secrecy and the shadows is very disheartening to me because they're making these decisions for these kids' livelihoods and their future without even giving them any hint that they were doing this. No doubt. No doubt. And I, and I know we've got to run here in a minute here, Kurt. So I, I want to just move on real quick. And, guys, we'll be back later on this week. Obviously, there's a lot that we're not touching on with this. There's just so much to touch on. But we will be back, and we'll – obviously, I'm sure there will be more developments as the week goes on. So we will have you guys covered and, and share our thoughts with you guys later on this week as well. But let me ask you this, Kurt. You alluded to this a few minutes ago about the, the effects that canceling the season could have on college football. So, Kurt, let me just ask you, like, what are the effects? Why is it so critical? Beyond just, like, obviously what's in the best interest of the players like we just detailed, but for the future of college football, what are the long-term effects? Are there any uh, to canceling the college football season this year? I mean, financially, it's uh, it's going to be hard to recover from that. And like you said, who knows if you're even able to play next fall because who knows if the virus is going anywhere, if the vaccines aren't going to work. And if that's the case, well, especially the, if the virus is not going anywhere, it's going to be here. Yeah, and especially I'm say – I'm not an epidemiologist, but if you just look at the history of viruses, it's going to be here. Yeah, they don't go anywhere. The biggest thing is if they don't play this year, it, it could drag on to next year where they're not playing in the fall next year. By that time, you give someone like The Rock and XFL a chance to get going and create their own bubble and start recruiting players into their leagues, then all of a sudden, it's no longer you're going to college. You're seeing in the NBA with the, the G League or whatever, where kids can go straight out of high school into that league now. It's going to start happening with the XFL, where kids will start going into those leagues, and college football will, may never be the same. Absolutely. I'm scared to death of that. Uh, I, I am. And that's – man. again, yes – Let's be real. I love college football. I want there to be college football. It's a huge part of my life. That's a that that yeah, is. Yeah, I honestly don't understand how people live a life like, or like don't care about sports and don't have their thing in their life because these last couple months have been torture. Yeah, and the hope of for college football was actually one of the things that was keeping me going. I'm gonna be real there, but and so that's part of it. But it's so much beyond that, guys. I'm telling you, like you are taking opportunities away from kids, which to, for most of them to this point in their life making it to the league has been the singular focus of their life. Look, I'll use myself an example in high school. I was not going to go to the NFL. I wasn't that good, right? I wasn't the athlete. I mean, I'm 5'11 and a half. I say, yeah, I'll say 5'11 and a half. My wife will tell you 5'10. Um, 180 pounds. Uh, sure, I like to run, work out, in decent shape. But I had no aspirations to go to the NFL. It was not going to happen for me. It wasn't on the cards for me. And playing big-time college football wasn't the big cards for me. I had a chance to play some smaller schools. I decided I want to go to the UGA uh, instead, that's, that was my dream. But I will tell you, leading up to the senior, my senior year in high school, and Kurt, you can attest this. You knew me back then. 
that was the singular focus of my life was getting to that point. Was And for a lot of kids, uh, and see, I was lucky because I didn't have to rely on an academic or a, an athletic scholarship, to, even to a smaller school, to go to college. I was able to find a way to do it without that. That's not the case for every kid. Their singular focus is playing football. They, they work and they work and they work and they work. And that is their life. And it's all in the name of making something of themselves. That is a way out for them. That's a way to get to college, to change their lives, to change their family's lives. And to take that away from them, not only is it tragic, I think it's criminal. I think it's criminal. And I, I just have a major issue with that. And I think we're like, I know, again, maybe you think I'm being an alarmist here, but I, I think that is a serious concern right now. It, it, the financial devastation absolutely could lead to that, where a situation where college ball just in college athletics in general just might not recover. At least not have near as many scholarships as they once had access to. And, and think about this too, Kurt, from a business perspective. If there's no college football season, who do you think is going to jump in on in those Saturday windows and take those and take those spots? The NFL, yeah, like it, it's going to be hard to take back the market. Yeah. The NFL is going to jump into Saturday all day. They're going to make a ton of money off that. And you think they're going to voluntarily relinquish that next year or whenever the college football can come back? Hell no, that's not happening. Especially, no way. Yes, I mean. Especially these small schools like the MAC and the Mountain West that are now announced they're canceling or postponing their season, it's going to be hard for them to ever come back because the market's just not. It was already tough for them. They they had to play on like a what a Tuesday or whenever it is during the week just to try to get some TV time. And if, if the SEC and all of them are having to fight for it, they're left for the scraps even more. Yep, exactly right. It's just I'm telling you, man, the, the financial implications of this. And I, I was talking about this going back to like March. It, they're devastating. And here we are. I thought I didn't think we'd be at this point, but but I was wrong. I'll admit, I'm man up to admit, I was wrong. And here we are staring this down the barrel, and it's it's downright frightening. And uh, so the Kurt, one last thing, real quick before we get out of here, we got about two minutes. The uh, the Big Ten, there is some conversation that they're not canceling. I think Kurt Kurt, Kurt came out there and said, "Well, it's not about a cancellation; it's about a postponement, a delay to the spring." Curtis, is the spring an option in your mind? No, I mean, of course, Herb Street's protecting the Big Ten. He always has since his career started. So, I mean, that really. It's no shock, but no, it does not. But conferences are not going to play 20 games. Their teams aren't going to play 20 games in one year, uh, realistically, because that's what would happen if they turned around and played the fall. They'd be playing 20-plus games in one year. Players were smart. They would just sit there at butts down and say, I'm going to the NFL, because playing in a grueling NFL schedule plus 10 whatever games they played in college football, like for people like Justin, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and some of those first-round guys, no way in heck I would do it either. No way. And not to mention – I, I don't like what is going to change between now and the spring. Like is coronavirus all of a sudden going to become less risky for players to play? Like, is it going to be less of a risk for them between now and January? Oh, by the way, which will be right in the middle of cold and flu season. Like, what are we talking about? If you can play then, then you can play now. It's that simple. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, maybe I'm crazy, but that's kind of where I am right now. But all right, guys, that does it for us today here on the Glory UGA podcast. And look, guys, I know that we are just barely scratching the surface of this entire ordeal right now. But we've got to get out of here today. Curtis has some things he's got to take care of. But we will be obviously monitoring this very, very closely the rest of the week. And we will be back later in the week to discuss whatever developments take place over the next couple of days. So stick with us, guys. We'll have you covered. Thanks for listening. As always, keep your fingers crossed. That's that's all I can say right now. Make your voice heard. I know, like we're a small podcast. Like we know we're not a huge deal. Uh, I'm only one guy. All you listeners, each of you are only one person. But it takes a village. So just make your voice heard. Retweet, tweet out there. 
if your social media is your thing, just be loud, man, and just add your voice to that chorus. As every single voice, it certainly helps. So, yeah, thanks again, guys. We will be back later on the week. For Curtis, I'm Tyler, and as always, go dogs. <laughs>